I don't know about you, but as we've been working through this series of Jesus' teachings on the Sermon on the Mount, I found it really, really challenging. Uh, Each week, as I've heard John preach or prepared my own talks, I felt God's Spirit like a, a big spotlight shining in on my heart, revealing to me my secret sins or areas where I have neglected God's good teachings or where I thought that really I knew better. This week has been no different, as we'll hear a bit later on. By God's word and his spirit working in me, he's been convicting me of where I fall short and helping me to live more righteously in spite of it. What I say today may be uncomfortable, probably will be uncomfortable for each of us to hear at some level. But my prayer is and has been that uh, by God's spirit, he will be working in you helping you and each of us to become more like his son, our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So with that, please bow your heads to pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I want you to picture the scene. Uh, You're in the supermarket, it's pre-lockdown, and you see someone uh, that you know you want to avoid because they're just going to want a really long chat. So you start scanning around the shop looking for the quickest aisle to escape down, but it's too late. They've seen you and they're making a beeline straight for you. Big smile on their face and you know you're in for a long conversation. So after much, much, much chat, uh, you say something like, well, this has been nice. We should catch up properly sometime soon. Uh, what you meant to say is I need to get out of here and I don't know how to tell you politely Uh, and they smile a big smile and they say oh how wonderful we'd love to why don't you come round for supper sometime soon and as you uh, walk away waving you say I'd love to call you sometime to arrange it knowing full well that you don't have their number now uh, technically you haven't made a promise and technically you haven't sworn an oath but You knew you were lying, even though it was a a little white lie. I wonder, can you relate to my story or one like it? Can you think of times where you have told little white lies to protect yourself or someone else perhaps? Well, today God is going to show us uh, what to do in situations like this. And what we're going to find out that actually it's really, really simple, but it's also can be incredibly hard. And this is what God is saying to each of us today through his word. Block out the devil and always speak the truth. Block out the devil and always speak the truth. We're still in this section on the Sermon on the Mount that looks at a righteous life. Uh, Two weeks ago, I preached on Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 to 20, where I encouraged us to practice and teach what Jesus commands uh, to live a righteous life for him. And we're still in this flow of Jesus' thoughts on righteous living. If you have a Bible open in front of you, uh, you'll probably notice that in this section, there's a clear method to Jesus' argument. He picks up on what people are saying around him a righteous life looks like. Uh, Like this, he says uh, six times, uh, you have heard it said before contrasting it with by saying something like, but I tell you, giving them a a more demanding standard to live by. It's like Jesus is giving us a special tool to help us understand what is at the core of God's Old Testament teachings. Each time Jesus is taking a contemporary practice, a way people around him were living and acting that they thought were okay, and showing them that actually there was a bigger eternal truth 
at the heart that needed to be obeyed in order for them to be righteous. It's a bit like using a sieve in baking a cake. Now, uh, in lockdown, we've been baking a little bit more than normal. Maybe you have too. Uh, and some recipes call for us to mix together lots of flours and different kinds of sugars. And sometimes we end up with a, a big lumpy mess. Uh, so we might take out our sieve and use it to get rid of the lumps. That's a little bit like a tool that Jesus is using here to, to sieve away at all the extra stuff to get to the big core eternal truth. So last week, the contemporary practice was murder. And people thought, oh, if I've not killed anyone today, I've been a pretty good person, I'm doing okay. But when we put that through our sieve, what was the eternal truth, the big core truth that gets left? Well, that everyone has great value in God's sight because they bear his image. So even something like name calling is really, really bad. And things are no different this week. Verse 33, Jesus continued, again, you have heard it said, that people long ago do not break an oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all. So what's contemporary practice? And what is the big eternal truth? Well, sieves at the ready. As we sieve through this, we'll see falling away are oaths and vows. And basically these are like turbocharged promises where you use something really powerful uh, so that the other person knew you were going to keep this promise. So I might say to my wife, I swear by God that I'm going to cut the grass today. I don't speak like that, but I might say it like that. And you see, in that, I'm using God to turbocharge my promise. I'm saying that God is a witness to my promise. And if I don't keep it well, uh, God can send his judgment upon me. But the truth is, I've been in lockdown for over nine weeks now, and I still haven't cut my grass. And I know, deep in my heart, that I'm really, 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 really unlikely to do so. So I need to convince my wife that I really am going to cut the grass, but I know I'm not going to do it. So I can't swear to God or I might get struck by lightning. And I don't want that. So I need to swear by something important enough to convince my wife, but not so important that I end up getting smoked. Hmm, what to swear by? What to swear by? I know, I'll swear by heaven. Because heaven's a pretty important place, so my wife will know I'm serious. But heaven can't hurt me, so I can get away with not keeping my promise. Oh, aren't I clever? Can you see what's going on there? It's not making an oath that was a bad thing. It's what was going on in your heart that was sinful. By having different levels to help you prove how serious you were about your oath, with God at the top and, I don't know, you at the bottom, all you were doing was creating loopholes to get you out of keeping your oath. Swear by God, I'm going to do it. Swear by my cat, not so much. So the contemporary practice was making loopholes to help you get away with breaking promises. So what's the big core eternal truth? Well, what's left in our sieve? Truthfulness. You see, when you swear all these fancy promises, knowing in your heart that you weren't going to keep them, well, what were you really doing? 
you're lying, aren't you? If you know you're not going to keep a promise, don't make a promise. Simply say, yes, I will, or no, I won't. If you think you're not going to do something, don't make it sound like you will do it. That's just lying, that's sin. And it's so easy to do this kind of thing, isn't it? We might uh, not do it by swearing oaths or making promises, but we often do the same sort of thing, or at least I do. Let me give you an example that you might relate to from this last week. I'm working. I'm a working parent in lockdown, and so is my wife. And we are finding ourselves super busy, super tired, and super frazzled. And my lovely little boy uh, came up to me last week, and he said to me, uh, he asked me rather if I could get something down from the attic for him. And I think, oh. I haven't got time for this. I've got to go and get the, the hatch pole down and then I have to open the ladder. Then So I get down the ladder and then there's all the dust and I've got to find this thing. And I've actually got a lot of work to do. I've, I've actually got this sermon to write. So I smile warmly and I say to him, sure, son, I'll get it done later. And I think to myself, oh, I can get back to work now. That's dealt with. But one thing I keep forgetting as a parent is that children never forget. And so that night I'm lying in bed, uh, giving my son a cuddle, good night, and he says to me, Daddy, you didn't get it down from the attic, did you? And in that moment, I thank God for showing me my sin. I confess to God and to my son that actually I told a lie, because that's what it was. I asked my son for forgiveness, and together we said a prayer to thank God that Jesus never told a lie so that God could forgive us because of his truthfulness. And then after I gave him a kiss goodnight, I went straight into the attic to get it down before carrying on writing this sermon. Do you see how living a Jesus life is both incredibly simple, don't think bad thoughts, don't tell lies, and so on. But at the same time, it can be incredibly tough It's tough to be honest. It's easier to tell someone that you'll give them a call because you're going to be polite. It's easier to tell your children that you'll do something just to keep them quiet for a few minutes. It's easier to tell a loved one that you like their new haircut when really you don't because you don't want to hurt their feelings. All you need to do is simply say yes or no. Jesus tells us in this passage that anything else comes from the evil one. Now, that sounds a bit hard, a bit extreme, doesn't it? Uh, What did Jesus mean here? Well, do you remember back at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 3, we have this story about a snake in the Garden of Eden. Can you remember what the snake says to Eve? He lies to her. He lies to her to get her to believe that God had lied to them. And later, the Bible tells us that that snake is the devil and calls him the father of lies. So when we tell our half-truths or our little white lies, it's like instead of listening to our Lord Jesus who says, speak truthfully, instead we listen to the little whispers of the devil in our ears, as if he's saying to us, it's okay, it's just a little lie, you're not hurting anyone. If you tell the truth, you might upset them or have an awkward conversation, and we don't want that. But brothers and sisters, 
all these little lies which we think are harmless actually reveal that in the mo- that moment we're not trusting God that we're more afraid of upsetting them than upsetting God that the consequences of being honest are worse than our sin in that moment against God there are no little white lies just lies and Jesus says these come from the devil so what can we do about this what help is there well look with me at our Lord Jesus A chapter earlier in Matthew's Gospel, in chapter 4, we read a true story about when the devil came to Jesus to whisper lies to him, tempting Jesus to sin against his father. And each time the devil tempted him to do what he said rather than to trust God, Jesus spoke God's words of truth back to him. Until finally he said in verse 10 of chapter 4, Away from me, Satan! For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. Brothers and sisters, if we are to live the life Jesus commands us to, when we are tempted to lie, however small, we need to pray to call upon the Holy Spirit for help and for his strength to block out Satan's whispers, to look him in the eye and tell him, get away from me, Satan. I worship and serve the Lord alone. And when you get this wrong, like I did with my son this week, seek forgiveness. Speak truthfully to the one you've lied to, however hard that might be. And cry thanks to God that his son, our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, lived a perfect life of honesty, which is counted as your life of honesty when you trust in him. So, brothers and sisters, block out the devil and always speak the truth, living as salt and light in the world as God's children. Amen.